Welcome to the Do Business Better podcast, the place for ideas you can implement to achieve prosperity. You'll get insights from successful business people on how they do business better. You'll glean tactics on creating a life and business by choice because we interview real business people who've done just that. Now here's your host, Damian Mason. Hey, thanks for joining me here on the Do Business Better podcast, where you get insights, ideas, inspiration, and information you can use for your own business. I've got a great guest today. He's a former client of mine. His name is Scott Risden. He's the president of Sioux Steel, a Sioux Falls, South Dakota-based company that it does a lot of stuff. Predominantly, they do grain bins, grain handling, grain moving equipment for agriculture. Also, they make stuff for some industrial applications and livestock handling equipment. So he's the president of this company. It's a family-based company, and he is in charge of it. They've got about 275 employees, and uh, it's one of these wonderful success stories that you never heard of, but you're going to hear about it now. Scott Risden, welcome to the show. Thanks, Damien. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. I appreciate you being here. So tell me about your company. Well, we are a 100-year-old manufacturer here in the Midwest, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and I am the fourth generation family member, lucky enough to be so, that uh, is able to serve as the president and uh, run the company. So uh, we've diversified. We have a very diversified and kind of broad platform of products. So we're not a big manufacturer like chunking things out like Ford Motor Company, obviously, but uh, we're very uh, independent and specifically focused family manufacturer. Yeah. And you know, what's neat to me, and I should have probably prefaced and told our listeners that the one thing that's cool is I like to talk about longevity. Uh, you know, I've been around doing my own thing for 25 years. I think that's quite an accomplishment. And I see uh, companies like people that down the road for me that are friends of mine that have been in business 50 years. And I'm like, that's a hell of an accomplishment. Sue Steele has been around for 100 years. There's a certain amount of stress that goes on fourth generation Scott Risden to keep that going. So uh, tell me about that. Yeah, there's no doubt. And of course, we're in the middle of a difficult ag economy. So that uh, has certainly been challenging. But I think a number of principles have always been true that have helped us get through that. Uh, You know, number one, we don't add family members that haven't worked somewhere else. You know, they have a seven year stint, uh, you know, before they can become any kind of management position here. Normally, that that difference uh, in getting them out into the, the uh, the economy provides less of a kind of an incestuous, uh, I could say, uh, formulation inside your management. So you're you're not moving and growing. That's good. You're bringing new ideas to the table from your own family. And then uh, you don't get any perks here. You don't get a car. You don't get, you know, nothing. It's just you work just like everybody else does. <laughs> That's fantastic. So I have worked for you and uh, done a speaking engagement for your dealers, as I remember. And I've worked for a lot of uh, successful family-based businesses. And the ones that, the ones that I always admire are the ones that say just like that. They say, "You are going to go away, Junior, before you come back here. You're going to go away, and you're going to work somewhere else because you're not going to be those people that only ever works here." So you were in hospitality, if I remember correctly. I was. Yes. All right. So. So tell me about that. So you get out of college and you worked in hospitality and now you're in charge of a company that makes steel uh, facilities and steel grain handling equipment. Yeah, I was. Yeah, right. Yeah, not quite. The, yeah, no, I was. Uh, yeah, I, I went to college and uh, then I actually went into the mission field for three years, uh, learned to speak Spanish and 
and uh, was a really important time in my life and uh, came back and uh, worked for a hotel that was attached to a hospital and I worked for a group of doctors, which I'll never do again. And uh, <laughs> so uh, the only thing, the only thing about doctors that they they get told how to they, they are highly trained, and then they also think they're highly skilled at everything. They're very good at removing uh, varicose veins. That doesn't mean they know how to run a business, isn't that? That's right, doctors. That's right, and that's why they hire business managers to run that for them. <laughs> so I was the business manager that ran the hotel uh, group and uh, you know, I mean, it's uh, they're, they are very smart guys, but it's relative. And unfortunately when you get that kind of, I'm going to call it the God complex in the medical field that if that overshadows other decisions that they make, it can get a little nasty. So you did that and then it was time to come back to the family business and uh, the handoff uh, wasn't immediate. So tell them about that. You came back to Sue Steele what, 20 years ago. 30 years ago now, Damien. Oh my, 30 years ago. I know it's been a long time. Uh, yeah, no, I started as a project manager and kind of worked my way up. I worked in college in the factory, you know, making uh, stock tanks and things like that. And, and so I've done that. And then I, uh, but then I started as a project manager back in 1991 and just kind of gradually move through like people do through family business. I'm the only real family member, including my father. And he, he's, uh, you know, sort of semi-retired right now and, and, uh, worked my way through that over the years. And that's what you have to do. I mean, family business is about values like that. So any family member that comes to the business that wants to work here, you basically scare them to death by saying, you're going to have to work twice as hard as everybody else when you walk in here, because you, you don't get the respect, you have to earn it. And that's, that's how it works. So there's just no other way to do it. Okay, that's fantastic. So, a uh, hundred years, which is a long time. What do you think the, uh, you know, from a longevity standpoint? How did it? You know, you've been there for thirty of those hundred years, but what is it that kept a company going for seventy years before you even came in? I mean, what what is the driving force that you know? Because a lot of companies they always say, oh, they go out of business in five years. What half of the businesses they always say they fail. I'm not sure that a lot of businesses fail. I think they just give up. I, I mean, I don't think that they like just get you know bankrupted. I think they just say, okay, uh, this is a neat run, and we don't have it anymore. Uh, how do you keep that from happening? You know, I, I kind of attribute agriculture, you know, if we were in the semiconductor business or something, we probably wouldn't be here either. I mean, it moves so fast. You know, agriculture just moves a little bit slower. Now that's changing, but but agriculture just moves slower. We're more uh, tied to old roots, family traditions and things like that. So it's a great family business to be in. And other businesses like, you know, they have 400 year old businesses of uh, uh, building Shinto temples in Japan is a big deal, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Anheuser-Busch distributorship and things like that all last a very long time because typically they're family-oriented businesses, which in our customers are all family-oriented and create an incredible amount of value for the United States. So it's it's a great profile to be a part of. We, we think similarly to family businesses in ag because we know the ups and downs of that market. Okay, so speaking of downs, it's been a little bit down the last six years in the market you serve, meaning the business of agriculture is down a little bit. And our listeners might know that I have another podcast called The Business of Agriculture because a lot of my speaking engagements are within that space. But the, the marketplace is down. Uh, what do you do differently? Uh, you know, okay, because everybody, I always find it interesting. Well, in this economy, well, we failed because of the economy. And I would say about half the companies that fail blaming it on the economy, it's not because of the economy, it's because of them. You're, you're down. How do you adjust? You just, well, you can't use that excuse, right? That's number one. Like, you just bring it up. You just don't get that. 
you know, I, you have to continue to innovate. Uh, some of our products, tension membrane structures, that's an innovative product that we came on, actually came on in 93. I brought that one on in 93, and that one has since blossomed and, and done very well for us. But if you don't have new products or, or new things like that, that, that definitely is one of the things that I think is creativity is incredibly important to any business. And obviously, in making sure that you're bringing new products in from a manufacturer standpoint, I assume from a farm standpoint, you're bringing new crops and new diversity like hemp and other things like that. You just, you have to keep changing. The market keeps changing. You have to do too. Okay, so creativity. You came up with a new product 26 years ago. And a lot of, we should probably make sure the listener understands, a lot of what you are in would be commoditized, okay? grain handling grain yeah. a lot of that starts to look like a commodity so you came up with a, a different type of product is that the, that the only one you've had in the last 26 years no 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 lots of no in fact you know really i i'm kind of a small fry right we're all like everybody we're in a family business we don't we're not highly capitalized right we don't have huge sums of money big bankrolls like public companies do so we're scrappy we have to fight it out. We, we have to come up with different product lines. I can't beat somebody else's prices all the time. I have to come up with a different product that interests our customers and provides value to, to the food chain, so to speak. So Yeah, what's interesting is you're sitting there with 275 employees and you're saying we're small, we have to be scrappy. Uh, you know, there's, a little, there's companies that are listening, people are listening to this that have three employees and they think, oh, well, if I got to where I was, had 275 employees, I could play with the big boys. There's always somebody bigger no, than you that's going to- No, there's always somebody bigger than you. Yeah, and especially, like in grain systems, you know, everybody's making a grain bin now. So if you're not into temperature controls or a different way of handling the product or a different way of storing the product. So I have a flex store product that we actually store grain in bags. I store it in buildings, you know, I store it in bins and I do have moisture and temperature control systems for all those. And now we're, we're just coming out with new temperature control systems that, that are going to do that all automatically for the customer and things like that. So there's a lot of new inv innovation that hasn't hit the, the agriculture community yet, and we're hoping to bring some of those solutions to them. Quickly. What about expansion? Uh, how many states do you cover? Six, eight, ten? We cover the entire United States. I mean, we do. We have sales representation in every state in the Nation. The bulk of your business happens in right in the central corridor here. I mean, the bulk of our business, North Dakota to Texas. I okay. mean, uh, those are central states, midwestern states. We, okay, we midwestern. Yeah, pl plain states. We we, plain we states. in Indiana we call them more the plain states, but that's cool. All right, so uh, you're you're going through uh, an adjustment, but you keep innovating. Uh, how important is that to you? Like, are you the one that comes up with the creativity, or do you sit down in a boardroom? Because what happens is I always talk about complacency and then getting to where you have commodity mindset. How do you keep that from happening? Do you have employees that you say, bring me a new idea every week. Uh, don't just keep saying yes. And uh, how, how do you keep that from happening? How do you keep commodity mindset from happening? I think craziness. <laughs> I think being kind of crazy, you know, you, you, you had a, you know, you, you talk a lot about uh, success traits versus risk, uh, risk tolerance, drive resilience and vision. And I think if the guy at the top doesn't have some vision that, and, and helps try to create a pace and a, and a, and an environment where you foster creativity and you don't throw in some really crazy, crazy stuff that people that forces them out of a complacent environment, you can't get that from your people. You just can't ask them to be creative if they don't have that kind of genetic makeup. Yeah. And so you do have to do some of it for them, but you look, we, our customers are very resourceful. I mean, the ag community, 
there are solutions out there that people are already creating just today that we can uh, take advantage of. And what we do is we pay those producers to come up with those things and we'll, we'll pay them uh, uh, royalties and so forth to get them using those ideas. We'll manufacture them for them and see if they actually work. And so there's a lot, you don't have to have an engineer that's bright and creative necessarily. You can get it right from your own marketplace. That's fantastic. Actually letting your customers give you innovation. So if the person listening to this right now says, wait a minute, I've been stuck for a while. You probably have a customer. The best, best way to do that is just let the communication be open. Right, Scott? You say, absolutely. I'd love to hear from, we hear from customers all the time. I, I have guys, you know, we're working with and fencing products right now. And we've done you know, lots of different projects. With, and I normally out of 10 of them, you know, one or two of them actually succeed, you know, to a major degree, you know, out of the 10, maybe five to seven might get some benefit for, for their idea. It yeah. just depends on what a customer's willing to hand you in dollars for that product. And sometimes they, sometimes you're so far ahead of the market, it takes 10 years and, you know, so. Yeah, so that's a cool thing to consider right there uh, <clears throat> that you said you might get 10 ideas, 10 things that somebody brings you that you come up with and you perfect them a little bit, but only one or two of them actually end up panning out. Isn't that what happens to companies that end up either failing or just getting past as they just stop implementing new things? Yes, that's true. <laughs> that's our strength. That's our strength. That, that, I mean, I, I'm not the best manufacturer. I'm not the guy that builds a thousand units in 10 minutes. I don't, I'm not that guy. But if you have a creative deal, I, you know that we can help get you, get you into the market. That's what we do well. You, you said, uh, you referenced my success traits, which I referenced in the book, Do Business Better, Risk Tolerance, Drive, Resilience, Vision. Let's talk about you personally. Uh, which one do you think is the most critical? You know, I think... You, I think vision is the number one for me. Anyway, yeah. that's my genetic makeup, you know, sort of, but I mean, you can't, you can have all the drive in the world, but if you don't have a vision or something to take you there, you need to have the roadmap first, in my opinion. It's just mine. But. Yeah, a friend of mine said, a friend of mine actually that's uh, been uh, doing his own thing for a long time said, uh, you can have all the drive in the world, but if you don't know where you're going, you're never going to get out of your driveway. And, yeah, and, and I mean, I think hard work is important, but yes, you always got to say, what am I creating here? Do, do you do a big business plan? I mean, do you sit there and say, speaking of vision, do you say, what am I going to be doing five years from now? Because I think that's too far, but you maybe don't. No, we don't. We, we, we have budgets, you know, we have, we, we have a, we have a general business plan, but I don't, I don't plan. I know there's a big deal about planning that maybe I should do it, but I, I look at it this way. I, I already have a business plan. I know what I'm supposed to do. I'm the smaller guy that doesn't get to, to do things the same way as people that have, you know, a lot of financing. So I have to take on new projects and things that are going to probably fail, but will make me a more diverse manufacturer and eventually then uh, uh, a better being able to weather storms better. So that's my kind of my mantra. And it was basically because that's the way the market treated me. And, and, and the producers the same way. He's got a huge national international grain markets. He's this little guy that's trying to figure out what to do in the middle of that. That's if I said, okay, I give you my four, my four uh, personality traits. Is there a fifth one that I'm missing that you might describe you? What, uh, is there anything that describes you? Besides yeah. I thought about that, you know, and I, I think intuition is one of them. Damien. I mean, I think you got to have a third eye in there somewhere where you've got all the facts, but it actually doesn't make any sense. And you've just got to be crazy and choose something. I like it. You've said the word crazy twice. Uh, all right. 
what have you gotten wrong? Because anybody that's honest has uh, been out here uh, piloting their own ship has gotten something wrong. What did you get wrong? I think uh, I think structure you know has always been harder for me. I get bored easily with a lot of mundane structure, so I have to have something keep moving. That that definitely is an entrepreneurial spirit. It really hurts some of your people that have to do make the product the same way every time. So structure, and then you know, in a in a weak market situation, you have to be able to react fast. And uh, I don't I don't think we reacted. Near, it's ugly sometimes out there right now, and and I think we didn't react quickly enough. I blame myself for that. Uh, Really, I, I think we've got it right now. We've made the changes, and we're we feel a lot stronger about where we're at in the market and our position and what we're going to do in the next two years. But uh, so, what you say is uh, what you got wrong. What you get wrong is that structure is hard because you don't think like a uh, a process structure type of person. What you yeah. said then is you also got wrong was you didn't maybe react quickly enough. Then you said what you got right was you did react and you're and you're in the right situation. It just was a little slower. So is that what you're saying? Yeah, I can get myself out of anything. You know, we can get the company out of anything. It's just how quickly do you react? Because we were just like the farmer. We go, oh, well, it's going to be $5 next year. Well, it wasn't $5 next year. Yep. Yeah. So, so it's the old thing of this is short. Uh, some, sometimes you think, oh, things are shorter term. You know, before we started recording, I talked to you about the economy. For 25 years, I've been piloting my own ship, and people, I commonly, you know, you, you meet somebody, you drink a beer, and they say, oh, this economy is so bad. A lot of people always seem more affected by or complain about the state of the economy. And I just always say, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm just going to keep moving on. And you don't seem like, you, you can say, yeah, things are down a little bit, but you don't use it as an excuse. No, I think process people do say that. They say, well, it's the economy. And yeah, certainly you have to weigh the economy into the equation. But if you don't, if you use that as a crutch, you're never going to get anywhere. So what do other businesses get wrong? You, you have a huge company, even though you say it's not huge, 275 employees. You are a customer of a lot of, you buy stuff from other companies. You are, you are sought after. I mean, right now, if you opened up the door, there's probably a salesman standing up there wanting to sell you stuff. So you know about other businesses. What do they get wrong? Uh you know, uh, I see what I see is a lot of copycatting in the manufacturing industry, especially. But, you know, if I'm buying product from other people, I see, you know, it's very easy to let the CFOs and, and process oriented people run away with your business and they, they will actually slowly choke it to death. Yep. My opinion. Okay. I'm on the other side, but yeah, because you're more the creative entrepreneurial type and you think that what happens is they, they just start thinking again, commodity mindset. How cheap can we do? How cheap can we pay? How, how can we save a nickel, save a nickel, save a nickel. And then they end up just strangling the life out of the, the creative part yeah. of the business. You have to keep your innovation high. If you're, if you're all process, I think then you're bleeding that right out of your people and, and, and you, you, you've got to foster that, but you have to have a mix. Right. You yes. not have, you know, so if you, if you've overpowered your organization as an entrepreneur spirit and you're out there trying to create something every 10 minutes, you're, you're doing damage to your company as well. So you have to have good process people that are willing to live with your craziness. And I think, you know, that takes time. And, but once you recognize it, you're older, that, that makes, you know, yeah, I, I, that when I was 27, uh, my, one of my favorite TV shows was mad men. And uh, you know, it's not on anymore, but uh, Mad Men, the main character was Don Draper. And they had a great episode, and I want to share with the listeners because this is so interesting. The guy that was the business manager for the advertising agency was trying to, it was just nickel and dime, nickel and dime, nickel and dime, cutting them. Finally, Don Draper said, 
stop nickel and diming us. We throw away paper. We waste paper because we throw away bad ideas. And of course, then the other guy's response was, you, know, you throw away paper because you're mopping up drinks with it. The, the truth, the truth is somewhere in the middle. You know, uh, they probably were being wasteful uh, at the ad agency, but also you can't be choked to death on the price of paper clips when you're trying to do something creative. So I think that's interesting. Yeah, some of our best ideas are on the back of a bar napkin. So. <laughs> I have a whiteboard in my office, and the thing is, the problem, it's not that the whiteboard is there, it's that I throw so much on it that I couldn't possibly get to it. But I yeah. guess that's, I'd rather have that. I'd rather, you know, I've got, I've got two, a book in the works and another one that I have already outlined, and I've got nine ideas about uh, articles to write up on my whiteboard. I, I just can't get to it. But I like yeah. the idea that I'd rather be that way. Hey, you've talked about process personalities, and in my book, Do Business Better, I say there's the five P's of your business personality, process, product, people, promotion, profit. Okay. We all need to have the profit because that's why we're in business. We got to have a money mind. You're not a process person. I'm not a process person. You know, I, I worked at a ceiling tile factory. I know how stuff gets made. I just don't want to be the one that's trying to uh, save three cents on a sheet of ceiling tile. Which one are you? Process, product, people, promotion, profit. You're probably a couple of them. I'm a, yeah, I'm a people, product, and profit thing. I mean, obviously, you know, you do have to mind your margins. I mean, mind your margins well. You, if you don't do that, you're, you're going to lose the gas tank that you need, you need to help fuel that. Creativity will fuel it, uh, some of it, but, I mean, you, you have to mind your gas tank. And so, yeah, I, I said that I was probably uh, on a percentage basis, 75% toward of being a product person. I'm not a process person at all. People, even though people say, oh, well, you go around and talk for a living, you used to be in comedy, you probably love people. Actually, I hate, I hate people. Uh, so, <laughs> so I'm not a people person. I'm probably more product and, and uh, promotion. And yeah, and I, I think uh, that would put me too, but I, th I would say that from a, a manufacturer standpoint in your business of one or two or whatever, I, you know, 275 or 300, you have to, you have to be a people, you have to understand your people and then you have to understand the changing culture, right, of people. It's, cha it's changing all the time. Well, you're 55 years old, and right now there's a 25-year-old that's in your office, and there's a 21-year-old out on the floor uh, you know, yeah. with a welder in his hands, and you're going to have to understand how to talk to the 25-year-old girl that's in your office that uh, is, you know, been sure. working for three years, and you've got to go out and talk to the 21-year-old with a welder in his hands. So there's a little bit of adjustment. Uh, if I gave you four more hours per week, how would you utilize those hours? Yeah, I didn't know there was an additional four hours, but you know, if you can find it someplace, I, uh, you know, I, I think uh, I would use it to plan more. I'd yeah. use it to plan because if I had the planning component of it and I spent more time planning, I'd have more free time than four hours. Uh huh. Yeah, I always say I would, I'd probably read more because it's the one thing I know I need to be doing more of. All right, this is the last thing. By the way, um, we're going we're gonna to let these folks get back to what they're doing. But uh, one piece of advice, knowledge, a personal lesson, anyone can uh, apply for a better life and business. Something you've learned by running this company for 30 years uh, and being uh, all the things you've done for 55 years of your life. Uh, I would say at this time... I would say don't take it personally and have fun while you're doing it. Cause if you're not having fun while you're doing it, then you might as well find something different to do. I like it. Seriously, you gotta get in there and really dig in and, 
and have it, but it, it, there can be the struggles, right? There can be the tough times and the good times and all that, but find the things that you can have fun doing and, and make it fun for the people that are there with you. It's uh, fantastic. That is fantastic. His name is Scott Risen. He's the president of Sue Steele. You can keep up with him on LinkedIn. I do. His name is Scott Risen, R-Y-S-D-O-N. He's a sharp dude. He's in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. If you need what he has to offer, obviously look him up there at what, SueSteele.com? That's correct. Sue Steele, like the, uh, the city, Sioux Falls, Sue Steele. All right. Thanks a lot for being on here, man. Thanks, Damien. All right. Till next time, yep. this is the Do Business Better right. podcast. See you. Have a great week.